And what a good job the choir did this morning. And uh, standing on the promises of God. First Samuel chapter 17 this morning in our Bibles. First Samuel chapter number 17. We're going to get a fresh look this morning into a passage of scripture that we are familiar with. A story that we are familiar with. I want to preach a message that I have entitled, Being Positive in a Negative World. Being positive in a negative world. You don't have to talk to people long to realize that there's a lot of negative things going on around us. You don't have to talk. It's easy to get a conversation started sometimes with people. If you get on the right subject, that would be the economy, gas prices, or uh, whatever. A lot of negative news going on, a lot of negativity Uh, We live in a world that is changing, but I'll tell you this, we don't have to be negative in a negative world. We can be positive in a negative world. 1 Samuel chapter 17, if you're familiar with your Bibles, the story of David and Goliath. And again, we're going to look at it afresh, take a fresh look at it this morning. Um, David, when he shows up on the scene here, it's kind of a, a negative situation. For 40 days, the giant Goliath came out and intimidated and mocked the Israelites and their God. I wonder what they were waiting on. I wonder what either side was waiting on 40 days. If David hadn't showed up, how many days would it have been? It's interesting how the sovereign hand of God is seen even in this. The Philistines could have very easily on day 10 come out and said, we're going to take care of them and this thing will be over with. It obviously looked like a hopeless situation. Um, But David, he's got a fresh uh, outlook. He shows up and he sees things uh, from a little bit of a different perspective. And so I want to give you a few thoughts this morning on how you can be positive in a negative world. And I want to pick up our reading in this story, verse number uh, 16 of 1 Samuel 17. And we'll read to verse number 29. Verse 16, uh, 1 Samuel 17. The Bible says, And the Philistine drew near morning and evening, and presented himself forty days. And Jesse said unto David his son, Take now for thy brethren an ephah of his parched corn and these ten loaves, and run to the camp to thy brethren, and carry these ten cheeses unto the captain of their thousand, and look how thy brethren fare, and take their pledge. Now Saul and they, and all the men of Israel, were in the valley of Elah, fighting with the Philistines. And David rose up early in the morning and left the sheep with the keeper and took and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the trench as the host was going forth to fight and shouted for the battle. For Israel and the Philistines had put the battle in array, army against army. They're kind of in a stalemate here. Verse 22, And David left his carriage in the hand of the keeper of the carriage and ran into the army, came and saluted his brethren. And as he talked with them, behold, there came up, the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistines, and spake according to the same words, and David heard them. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were sore afraid. Fear is taken over. And the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man that has come up surely to defy Israel? Has he come up? And it shall be that the man who killeth him, the king will enrich him with great riches, and give him his daughter, and make his father's house free in Israel. And David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine, and taketh away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine, that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him after this manner, saying, So shall it be done to the man that killeth him. 
And Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David, and he said, Why camest thou down hither? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thine heart, for thou art come down that thou mightest see at the battle. And David said, What have I now done? Is there not a cause? Lord, we ask this morning that you would take truth. This is a familiar story, and sometimes we can gloss over things in familiar stories. Lord, I pray that you would work in our hearts. I ask, Lord, that you would speak to each of us. Lord, we recognize if any work is to be done here today, you must do it. So, Lord, I yield myself to you. I cast my dependence upon you. And I ask, Lord, by the power of your spirit, you take truth and you change us today. And Lord, we'll be careful to give you the honor and the glory and the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Number one, I want you to see this. How can you be positive in a negative world? Let me give you three cautions. Caution number one is this. Be careful what you listen to be careful what you listen to now when david shows up on the scene there are at least three voices that come his direction the first voice is the voice really from obviously you have the israelites talking to him but from his brother eliab eliab to me is the voice of judgment the bible says in first samuel 17 and verse 28 his brother heard and his brother's anger was kindled against him. And he said, why did you come down hither? And look at what he does. He makes a judgment upon the motive of David and accuses David of having pride in his heart. As soon as he shows up on the scene, as soon as he makes statements concerning, questioning concerning this giant Goliath and the God that he loved and served, as soon as David decided, hey, somebody needs to do something about this, David immediately had individual or an individual misjudging his motive. I know why you're really here. You're really here because you're being prideful and you're asking these questions. Do you know if you set out to do something for God, God puts something in your heart and you see, boy, here we are in 2022 and there's a lot of negativity and there's a lot of things that aren't happening the way we'd like them to happen. But God wants to still do something in 2022. And you get a burden in your heart. And you say, hey, I, I, I want to see God do something. There's going to be people around you that are going to misinterpret your motives. They're going to try to discourage you. David could have said, you're right, Eliab, my bad. You're my brother. You're my older brother. You're bigger and badder than me. My bad. Here's your cheese. I'm on my way home. But he did not listen to the voice of judgment. It is important for us, if we're going to be positive in a negative world where things are negative around us, we have to be careful what we listen to from other people. The second voice is the voice of unbelief. If look at verse number 31, the Bible says, And when the words were heard which David spake, they rehearsed them before Saul. And he sent for him. And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. Now look at the voice of unbelief. Here Saul, the king of Israel, says to David, Thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. For thou art but a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. The voice of unbelief. The young teenage boy, or middle-aged teenager, maybe 16, 17, I guess he'd be an older teenage boy, they say. We don't know exactly how old he was. 
But he says, hey, this giant Goliath is mocking my God. And I'm going to go fight for him. I, I want God to, I believe God could use me to make a difference. And he comes to Saul, the king, the more mature, the one that's supposed to be a little more mature spiritually, the one that seems to, uh, uh, the, the one that should be, we'll talk about this in a minute, the one that should be leading God's people. And Saul says what? Two things. Number one, you're too young. You're too young to make a difference. You're too, by the way, let me say this. You're never too young to make a difference for God. Never too young to make a difference. You say, well, I've only been saved for a week. You can still make a difference for God. As a matter of fact, somebody that's saved for a week often makes more of a difference than somebody who's been saved for 10 years because somebody that's been saved for a week's got a lot of unsaved friends that they hang around. they got a mission field right in their neighborhood with the people they hung around. Secondly, David, you're not experienced. You're too young. You're not experienced. You'll never make a difference. What are you thinking? You're out of your mind unbelief well there's a lot of naysayers in the world there's a lot of naysayers that people that have not trusted christ as savior they're naysayers we expect that but there's a lot of naysayers that have trusted christ as savior there's a lot of christians individuals that uh place their faith and trust in christ they're on their way to heaven and when you say hey we're going to do something for god they say that can't be done they say hey, i don't know about that you're taking a big risk i don't know if we should if we should do this or not Boy, we need to have faith in God. Boy, we need to have faith that God's going to use people and, and make a difference. We ought to be helping to build people's faith. When God puts something on someone's heart, we ought to say, hey, I'm going to pray with you about it. Hey, I'm going to do what I can to try to encourage you. If God's in this, boy, this is exciting. People of faith. Listen, we have to be careful what we, what we listen to. Hey, David could have said, you know what, Saul? I'm sure Saul was... The scriptures tell us Saul was bigger, taller. I'm sure he was bigger and taller than David ever was. And here David is looking at an intimidating Saul, a man that had been the king, a man that had had some experience, a man that knows war. And Saul says, you can't do this. You're too young. You don't have any experience. He could have said, you're right, my bad. Here's your cheese, and I'm going to go home and just forget about it. But he didn't listen to the voice of unbelief. We've got a third voice in this text as we think concerning what we listen to, and that is the voice of intimidation. Look at verse 43 of 1 Samuel 17. And the Philistine, speaking now of Goliath, said unto David, Am I a dog, that thou comest to me with staves? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistines said to David, Come to me, and I will give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air and to the beasts of the field. Oh, Goliath, we'll see this in just a minute, was bigger and tougher and badder than David was. Intimidation. Let me tell you something. That ain't going to work. I'm going to kill you. I am going to. Hey, a lot of people try to bully. They try to bully Christians. They try to bully you. And see, so you're not allowed to pass out tracks here. You're not allowed to do that. Says who? Says who? I remember Steve and I were out in the neighborhood, and this gal came out of her apartment, and she was mad at us and told us we weren't allowed to do, we weren't allowed to do all the tracks. And she didn't have no authority. She was having a bad day, I think. You know, when you think about it, by the way, we can do a lot more than we think we can do in America while we're still free. 
And by the way, if we're not doing it while we're free to do it, what's to say we're going to do it when we're not allowed to do it? And we look in the New Testament, we see the disciples, uh, they couldn't help but speak the things that they've seen and heard. They couldn't help it, they had to. And the, the government said, you can't do this anymore. Hey, let me tell you something, we ought to obey God rather than men. We're not going to let you intimidate us into not doing what God has called us to do. They weren't intimidated. David could have looked at Goliath and heard the intimidating voice of Goliath and said, Oh, you're right, man. I'm out of here. I'm going back to the sheep. Let y'all take care of this. I'm going. But he didn't listen to the voice of intimidation. Can I say this? If you're going to be positive in a negative world, you have got to be careful what you listen to coming from the mouths of other people. Some people are unsaved. Some people are Christians in unbelief. And it is important what we listen to to stay positive. By the way, don't inundate yourself with all the news. You can stay with what's going on. I tell you that if you want to be uh, uh, up a little bit, listen to a little bit of news, whatever you want to do. I'll tell you this, you ought not listen to more news than you are in this book. Get the truth. Let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. Surround yourself around positive people, people of faith. Someone wrote this poem, Children Learn What They Live. If a child lives with criticism, he learns to condemn. If a child lives with hostility, he learns to fight. If a child lives with ridicule, he learns to be shy. If a child lives with shame, he learns to feel guilty. If a child lives with tolerance, he learns to be patient. If a child lives with encouragement, he learns in confidence. If a child lives with praise, he learns to appreciate. If a child lives with fairness, he learns justice. If a child lives with security, he learns to have faith. If a child lives with approval, he learns to like himself. If a child lives with acceptance and friendship, he learns to find love in the world. I'll tell you this. Sometimes when we think concerning it, your friends do determine your future. Who, what you listen to is really important. Be careful what you listen to. Number two, if we're going to be positive in a negative world, we need to be careful, caution number two, what you focus on. When you look at this story, there's a lot of negative. There's a lot of challenges in this story. Uh, we've already alluded to one. There's no real leader. There's no real spiritual leader. There's no spiritual leader. Saul is just as much as in unbelief and afraid as everybody else is. The Philistines are a little maybe more aggressive than they have been in the past. Because the Philistines, if you go back to 1 Samuel 7, we won't go back there. And you go back to 1 Samuel 14, they had already lost twice against the Israelites. When you lose against somebody, the next time around, you say, we're going to win. The Philistines are seeking revenge against Israel. Goliath, oh, Goliath, from the family of Anak, they produced giants in the land of Canaan. His height was anywhere from 9 feet to 12 feet tall, possibly even up to 12 feet. His armor was from head to foot. He was literally covered except for that one small place on his head. He was like a walking tank. The weight of his armor was between 125 to 150 pounds. This guy was massive. That's a lot of weight. His spear 
would have weighed or could have weighed up to 16 pounds. I, I just Googled, how heavy is a gallon of milk? Tyler came in with his gallon of milk. His spear was approximately the weight of two gallons of milk. Go home, take, get go store, and don't go and buy them because you won't drink them. Uh, but go get two gallons of milk and try to put them in one hand and try to do this number. Don't drop it in the store. That'd be embarrassing. I did that once as a kid. Milk went all over. Those plastic containers are not as thick as you might think they are. So he comes here. There's no real spiritual leader, Saul. Now he's staring at this giant Goliath that's got all this armor and all this stuff on him. Problem number three that he faces, he's got brothers. His brothers are older than him. His brothers were more trained than him. That's why they're in battle, and he's over there tending sheep. You know, there's something about an older brother. I, I told my, my son Daniel this. There's something about a, a younger sibling, usually the youngest, that wants approval of the older sibling. Now, I, I think it goes down the line, but I really think the impact is really the youngest that wants approval of the oldest. This goes cross-grain. You've got David with his brother that's mocking him. So he's got the problems with his brothers, and then he's got the problem with the other Israelites. Uh, we don't know that his brothers were more powerful than the others, but there had to be some real good trained experts. There has to be some real trained, what we say, soldiers in the, in the Israelite army. And here David comes up, and he has a lot of present promise, uh, present problems. Now think about this. There are a lot of challenges going on in 2022. I, I, I don't know what's going to happen after the election, but there's a possibility it's going to get worse. You know, we're using our oil reserves. You might see gas prices in January to be I'm trying to freak you out here. Um, well, I'm going to help you. Maybe I need to freak you out a little bit. So, oh, what's coming next? And then you'll be paying more attention. You might see gas prices might be up to six bucks. Who knows? I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of present challenges, and David walks up and he sees the present problems. But I want you to see what he chooses to do. And again, our point is this, be careful what you focus on. We don't see David going, oh man, Goliath's big. Oh man, Saul. Oh my brother. We do not see him. The problems are there. But look at what David does. He sees the present problems in light of God's past provision. Look at verse number 34. And David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear, and took the lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him, and smote him, and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he rose against me, I caught him by his beard, and smote him, and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. David said, Moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion, out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of the Philistines, and David and Saul said unto David, Go, and the Lord be with thee. We'll talk about that in just a minute. But I want us to see something. David had a relationship with God. David saw God at work. And David looked at his present 
problems in light of his past provision. Now look, we can focus on how bad it is and how hard it is and how many challenges there are. Or we can say, you know what, the God, and you can start, we can start real early. We can start back in the book of Genesis. And we can say the God that delivered the children of Israel, the God that delivered Joseph, and the God that delivered Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and that same God, and then we come into our life, we see the God that delivered me when I was 10, and the God that delivered me when I was 15, and the God that delivered me when I was 25, and when I was 40, hey, that same God is going to deliver me today. You see, our focus has got to be on what God has done and is able to do. The reason why the Israelites are hunkered down and scared to death and Saul is scared to death. You hear that giant? You see that guy there? Whoo, that guy's big. I'm not touching him. I'm not touching him either. And he comes out and they all scatter. They all hunker down and hide because they're focusing on the giant. They're focusing on the problem not the god who can solve the problem i'll tell you this if you have a tendency to focus on the problem the other day i was driving home from somewhere i think from the hospital or somewhere and i just decided to do myself a little exercise and uh, i i pushed the thing that you can talk on your phone and make a big note and I said, God, I'm thankful for, and for about 10 or 15 minutes, the whole ride home, I just listed all these things that I was thankful for. And I think God was working, too, because I think he said, <clears throat> what about this? Oh, 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 I forgot this. You know, hey, what about this? And uh, I'll tell you this. You want to encourage yourself in a negative world, you remind yourself of what God has done for you and how God has taken care of you and how God has been good to you. You know, sometimes if I'm having a pity party, God will send me someone that is way more needy than I am. Right across my path. I'm like, Mawson, you're good for nothing, Christian. You have no reason to complain. You have no reason. You're just focusing on the wrong thing. That's what David did. Hey, be careful what you listen to. Be careful what you focus on. Let me give you number three, and we'll be finished. I, I tell you, by the way, uh, I love the passage in Numbers 14. Let, let me just read you a verse from Numbers 14 before we go on to our third point. I have told the Lord this. God, I don't want to be like the children of Israel. Here's what God says in Numbers 14, 22. Because all those men which have seen my glory and my miracles which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness and have tempted me now these ten times and have not hearkened to my voice. What's God saying? There's at least ten occasions where I clearly delivered Israel from Egypt to the promised land and they still complained. They still focused on the problems. And God said, hey, they're not going into the promised land. Our focus is really important. Let me give you number three, and we'll be finished. We're going back to our text here, 1 Samuel chapter 17. Be careful what you listen to. Be careful what you focus on. Number three, be careful what you rely upon. Saul says this in verse 38. And Saul armed David with his armor, and he put on a helmet of brass upon his head also. He armed him. 
with a coat of mail. And David girded his sword upon his armor, and he essayed to go, for he not for he had not proved it. Can you imagine being a 17-year-old, whatever he was, 60, 17-year-old, and here's the king of Israel saying, here, let me give you my armor. Oh, put it on you. Man, this is like cool stuff. Wow, look at this armor. And we get it on, get it all fixed up, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you my sword. Can you imagine? That must have been pretty cool for David. But David recognizes this isn't going to do the job. I've not proved this armor. I don't know how to use this stuff. I'm going to give it back to you, Saul. And then what do we read next? David goes to what he knows best. Verse 40, he took his staff in his hand and chose him five smooth stones out of the brook and put them in a shepherd bag, which he had even in his grip. And his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. Nowhere do we read of David going down to the brook and saying, oh, man, this stone here going to be a good one nowhere do we hear of david saying man i got i got me a good sling i don't got an off brand my sling isn't from walmart buddy my sling mine is from from uh, from dicks i mean i got me a good sling nowhere do we read of david saying i'm practiced at this man i'm good i'm the man I mean, I've done this sling a number of times. I am the man, and I'm going to take care of this giant Goliath. No, no, no. His dependence was not in Saul's armor. His dependence was not in the stones that he took. By the way, he took five of them, some say because of the brothers. It could be that maybe he didn't know if God was going to deliver him with one, two, three, four, or five. He's got nowhere do we read of him saying, hey, my dependence is in my, my slingshot, my tools, or my dependence is in my own ability to do this. His dependence was in God. He recognized that the battle was not his battle. It was God's battle. As a matter of fact, look, if if you see, if we look at the scriptures here, there are many times, verse 37, the Lord that delivered me. And and, and we see in verse uh, in, in verse number, oh, there's other verses here too, all, all through here about the Lord. Uh, uh, David says in verse 45, you come to me with a sword and with a spear. I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts. Verse 46, this day will the Lord deliver thee into my hand. Hey, the battle isn't mine, the battle is God's. He prepared himself the best he knew by getting the stones and bringing his sling, but his dependence, his reliance, his faith was not in himself. His dependence, his faith was in the name of the Lord God. Verse 46 is a great verse. This this day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand. I will smite thee and take thine head from thee, and I will give the carcass of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that I'm the man. No, 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 it doesn't say that. That that I'm skilled. No, 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 it doesn't say that. That all the earth may know that there is a God in heaven. David's dependence was on God. And David's burden was for the whole earth, for all of those around there that watched this battle, to recognize that God is able to deliver. I'll tell you, it doesn't matter how bad things get in the United States of America in 2022 or in 2023. 
Our God is able to deliver. And you know whose problem it is, by the way? It's not our problem. It's his problem. Our responsibility is to be faithful, is to prepare, is to do what we can to make sure we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. David saw a giant. David recognized there's a cause. And David said, hey, I've got to do my part. I've got to put myself at God's disposal and allow God to use me. But my dependence, if anything's going to happen, God has to do it. And that's where our dependence has to be. Let me show you two stories real quick, and we'll be finished. I want you to turn in conclusion. 2 Chronicles chapter 20. 2 Chronicles chapter number 20. Jehoshaphat is faced in this passage against three nations, Moab, Ammon, and the people of Mount Seir. They're coming in. He's outnumbered. It looks like they're all going to die. Negative situation, big time. They go before the Lord. Second Chronicles 20 and verse 12. O oh, our God. Second Chronicles 20, verse 12. Wilt thou not judge them? For we have no mighty grace against this great company. that cometh against us. Neither know we what to do. But our eyes are upon thee. Look at verse 22. And when they began to sing and to praise the Lord set ambushments against. Look at verse number 29. And the fear of God was on all the kingdoms of those countries when they had heard that the Lord fought against the enemies of Israel. You know, the battle we face today is really not again, Democrats versus Republicans. It's really the devil. Our adversary, the devil, is doing what he can to thwart the work of God. Satan is a defeated foe. We need to live in light of that reality. One more passage and we're finished. Second Chronicles chapter number 32. Let's read you three verses from this story. In this passage, Hezekiah was facing, again, a negative situation. It looked like they were going to die from the Assyrians. They were bigger, badder, stronger. Verse 7 of Second Chronicles 32. Be strong and courageous. Be not afraid nor dismayed for the king of Assyria. Assyria, nor for all the multitude that is with them, for there be more than more with us than with him. With him is an arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us, to fight our battles. And the people rested upon the words of Hezekiah, king of Judah. Verse 22, thus the Lord saved Hezekiah. You see, there's more Assyrians than there are us. We're outnumbered, but the Lord's going to fight for us. Hey, man, there's these three nations, and neither know we what to do, but our eyes are on him, and God delivered. Old teenage boy David shows up on the scene in a situation where people are afraid and doing nothing. He has a positive outlook. In a negative situation. Why? Because David chose to not listen to the negative. David chose to not focus on the negative. David chose to depend upon the God of the universe. And we can do the same thing. Lord, we love you.